guys. Welcome to the next episode of Chicks Talk Flicks. I am back. We are back in business, and I'm very excited to introduce to you my co-host today, my sister, Irene. Massive applause. I know. I'm very exciting. It's very exciting because... What can I say? You're going to be the next co-host for the next couple of episodes because I literally can't see anybody else. Yes, yeah, so you guys better like me. You <laughs> so have no choice. We're kind of stuck with her for a little bit. Don't see it in a negative way. I'm we're stuck in wrong. the same house. We have nothing else to do but watch movies, so we're just going to be watching movies and talking about them. So welcome, Irene, to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so we recently watched the film Swallow. It's out to rent. It's been out to rent since March 6th, so we rented it, watched it, and we want to discuss it. And because we're poor and couldn't rent it again, we had to take very explicit notes. Very explicit notes. We have we have a lot of thoughts. But this is a very pulpy movie, I think. There's a lot to break down in it. Yeah. It's Com- a lot to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> what a play on words. Okay, so this movie was written and directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. I think the only notable cast really worth mentioning is Haley Bennett, who was in... She was on Girl on a Train. Okay, so she plays she the main character, better. Hunter Conrad. And then the only other notable cast member that you would identify as Dennis O'Hare, who plays her biological father. And Dennis O'Hare is in... Oh my God, he's in so many things. He was in American Horror Story. I'm just always going to remember him as the guy in American Horror Story with the baby hand. Yeah, with the hair in his face. Yes. Creepy. Yes. <laughs> that's always, that's him. <laughs> that's like, I can't think of anything else that he's in. He's in something he's else, in so but I can't many put things. my finger on so it. So many things. Yeah. He's but I can't, in so much. Yeah. Yeah, he gets often confused with um, the guy in Better Call Saul. Yeah, definitely. But Dennis O'Hara has worse teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the cast is pretty low key. Nobody yeah. that you can really identify, like, or you recognize, really. This movie is about Hunter, so Haley Bennett plays Hunter Conrad, who is a newly pregnant housewife, and just starts feeling compelled to consume dangerous things. <laughs> and it's kind of like a downhill spiral from there. And there's really no other way to describe yeah. what's going on, because you're just witnessing things happening. So let's just dive into it. Let's go. Some basic themes that would best describe the movie mm-hmm. would be, you know, I, I put guilt, but can yeah. you think of anything else? The strongest theme overarching is control. Yeah. So there's Because about- she lacks self-control, but it's also about how the people around her are attempting to control her every move. Yeah. Guilt, control. Let's discuss the opening scene. The themes are, they definitely resonate very heavily in the, in the first scene, which starts off with just three lambs and they're in a slaughterhouse. Remember, we were both watching it and we were both kind of like, why this, does it look this so This is a very heavy image that they're portraying and yeah. you're kind of like, I don't know what they could possibly be foreshadowing with this, but you're already kind of put on edge. So you're seeing the lamb, you're seeing three lambs in a slaughterhouse, and it goes from them being in the slaughterhouse, one of the lamb is taken, killed, skinned, and then cuts to Haley Bennett at dinner with her husband, right? And, they're and you see her cutting the piece of lamb. Into the piece of lamb, yeah. And, and eating it. At this huge table across yeah. from each other. And the first thing we noticed was the amount of distance between them. Yeah. Which at first, I remember looking at you and saying, like, why are they sitting so far apart? Yeah. And like, then you were like, that is definitely an in, you know an indicator of yeah. their actual, the distance between them. Of Emotionally, the, mentally. Yeah. Figuratively. Like, yes. That makes so, like, they're already setting you up for this, this weird relationship that they have. Because I feel like throughout the movie, their relationship is not 
awful but then there's these little moments that you're like ooh, like i'm nervous for her yeah like that's weird or like i don't know if they're really in love yeah so then she she gets pregnant and she's not happy which is interesting well it's like it's like you can't even tell that she's upset directly she just doesn't show any Any emotion emotion. yeah she's just kind of like looking at the thing and then she shows it to him and she's almost she almost looks like nervous yeah like at first I was like, "What is he going to be upset that yeah, she's pregnant?" Yeah, I thought so too. But like, what was she he wasn't upset at all. He was actually so, so ecstatic happy. and calls his parents. But she's sitting there sitting so disconnected. There. Yes. she didn't even ask for the phone. So you could tell that this is a very strange relationship. That it's almost as if like she's only there for these small reasons, like to cook him dinner, to be his wife. It's more like he just yeah. likes the idea of her. She's just there. Yeah. Which and, is kind of sad. And her getting pregnant is definitely the next step in their picture-perfect relationship. Yeah. And seeing just her her strange reaction to something that is normally so happy yeah. was, you know, another indicator of yeah. this weird situation that they're setting you up for. Yeah, and then right after the phone call, that's when it goes to the dinner with her family. Yes, and bougie dinner. And even then it's like you're expecting, okay, well, maybe if there's this distance between her and her husband, at least maybe the parents are nice. I don't know. I, I assumed, I think I assumed otherwise just because their house was so fancy. I was like, his parents are definitely like rich and bougie also. And they are. They are very bo- I know. bougie and wealthy. And I was just hoping that at least the mom was going to be nice I because I, I was mean, like, cut her a break. If you think about it, they are nice. The characters are nice to her. Like there's nobody's like mean to her. It's Except just. Except the dad. The dad's not 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 nice to her though he's just like a dad like he's indifferent towards her because he's wealthy and just wants her to be his son's picture perfect wife fair you know yeah so they're sitting at dinner and remember there's that scene where the husband asks her to share a story yeah because he was sharing some story with his parents about himself when he was a kid and he was like oh yeah tell that story that like always makes me laugh and you could tell that she's like visibly shaken she's like she's like uncomfortable it's a story that she doesn't want to share but she starts telling the story and is cut off halfway by the dad and if you think about it that was an indicator that he has no respect or care for her feelings in general especially when she's like clearly shaken he's just like oh well the husband and the father amuse me the whole family exactly like you're just here to amuse me and then amuse my family and you're not doing well at that so the dad's just gonna interrupt interrupt because it's boring right like your time's up right but no one no one even acknowledges that and she sits there just soaking that in and is staring at this glass of of ice water and just starts putting these chunks of ice cubes in her mouth and crunching on them which is a very weird scene right before she puts it in her mouth you hear the ice cracking Cracking. yes and so i was like this must be a symbol of her mental state that she's cracking on the inside because it's the first time that we actually see her putting anything in her mouth yeah i was like yeah pregnant people you know they got these weird (laughs) cravings like all right i like eating sonic ice okay (laughs) yeah like i totally get it like i totally get it like whatever but then it's like it's not the way that you would eat ice as a person like you don't she's stick your like, whole hand in yes. a cup and she's eating it like food she's like and you're like, like being so loud and i was like maybe she's doing it to that. be passive aggressive <laughs> i don't know but it wasn't like that at all she's and just, they all just it stops them from talking and they all just stare at her and she's like what <laughs> and she's like this is good that, ice <laughs> this ice is so yummy <laughs> this ice is top notch <laughs> top notch ice but it's interesting because the ice is circular yes so that's a note Something like to keep we, in mind. We, we, there's all these depictions of circular objects. Yeah. Throughout like the first couple scenes. Because I mean, 
over time, the circular object is no longer right like important right and we'll get to that the other examples uh, momentarily then the next scene in the beginning is another kind of setup for the situation you're going to be in she's sitting right on the couch she's watching television and it's a toothpaste commercial Mm -hmm. and the dialogue from the commercial is so important because they say something like keep doing what you want to be happy or something like that like keep doing whatever you want in order to be happy yeah that could mean anything but it it's just like it stands out because it has nothing to do with toothpaste yeah like what toothpaste commercial would just say keep doing whatever you want to be happy normally it's like buy our toothpaste (laughs) crest we make your teeth so shiny 10 out of 10 dentists recommend yeah that's weird it's it's a weird line for a commercial about toothpaste but they pick it on purpose yes. because toothpaste is something you put in your, your mouth. mouth yes so it's setting the heroine up to then be like oh well she, i have to be happy she's internalizing that what she just heard on tv like i can do whatever i want as long as yeah the outcome will be me being happy there's another indication because the mom gives her a pregnancy book in the book it says do something you wouldn't normally do today oh yes yeah I forgot about that. Which is like a repetition of what the toothpaste commercial says. Yeah, she has these weird... Because it's like, in order to be happy, do something different. Do something you wouldn't normally do. But she's taking these influences, you know? Yeah. They're influencing her so much that she decides to To swallow a marble. And she really battles with that in in the first few moments because you're like, ah, she's not going to do it. Even she's like, no "No way. I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to swallow this marble. But the toothpaste commercial was kind of like their... To go in subconsciously. So she was already thinking thinking about it without even thinking about it. Right. And then she reads this book and she's like, hmm, hmm. Another reminder to do whatever I want. Do whatever I want to be happy. (laughs) Which, I don't know, could be swallowing this marble. Which, if you know, is is so strange. Such a strange choice for something that would make you feel in control. But she's stuck in this house. But when does she... She's stuck in this house that's beautiful. There's glass everywhere. But she has nothing going on. I mean, like, he allows her to, like, decorate the house however she wants. But not really because... it's not her life. When she then goes to talk to him about it, she was like, I did something unexpected today. And he was like, oh yeah, what was that? And you see her hesitate and then she goes, I picked sky blue curtains for the auditorium mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or for the theater. And it, and then he's like, sky blue sounds a little cliche. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, so it's like, she's allowed to decorate however she wants, yeah. but up to your criticism. Yeah, and your standards. Yeah. Which is strange because you know that she knows that swallowing a marble is not normal. Yeah. She can identify that. But why does she choose to do that as her form of doing what you whatever you want to be happy? Yeah. Because she has nothing else going on that she's fixated on, like you said, circular objects. There's just a constant, like these constant yeah. reminders and themes that leads her to swallowing a marble. Yeah. She swallows a tack next, which is really uncomfortable to watch. And then at one point you're looking at all the figurines and her little setup of it's all like the a things that she swallowed. Jack. Yeah, like, like a jack. Uh, there's oh there's a, a figurine. There's like the, the most random thing that she swallowed. She has a little like trophy corner of all yeah. the things that and she's been able to swallow. And you see her swallow a battery, a battery, but you don't see it come out. And so then, then she goes, they go to the to get an ultrasound of the baby and they're like, what's oh, there's this? There's other stuff in here. There's something else in here. And it's the freaking battery. <laughs> like, it's so gross. But then it's like they're like unloading her stomach and you yes. see safety pins. Oh, safety pins. And yeah. like, yep. There's so many other things in there. Right. It's just, it's so cringy to watch that scene. 
Her husband finds out that she's been, you know, swallowing things and they're just kind of like yelling at her and arguing. And she's like, I don't know why I do it. I just, you know, it makes me happy. Yeah. And they just don't understand. But they're like, you need to seek therapy. She starts seeking therapy. And that's when the truth comes out about her being a child of rape. It's just something you weren't expecting, but she just talks about it so nonchalantly. She's like, oh, you want me to talk about the rape? And, and you're, you're like, like, oh, did she get raped? Who was raped? Yeah, who was raped? Like, is this why she's pregnant? Right. I'm scared. Right. And then she talks about how her biological father raped her mother and she's, she's the that product. baby. Yeah. Now she's struggling with the fact that her therapist knows that and... And trying to see how that relates to her wanting to swallow things. Yeah. Her husband finds out. She's she's making strides to getting better. Like, she's opening up about stuff. And you're, yeah. like, hoping that, okay, now that she's finally admitted what dark is in her past, maybe she'll start making really good attempts to, attempts to getting better. And then right. she overhears her husband talking to her therapist, which is, like, against so many violations of, like, yeah client protection programs and she says that to him but he's like i don't care i'm her husband you need to tell me he's like i'm paying you to do this yeah so you better tell me otherwise i'll just get a new therapist for her and then she's like well it all has to do with a rape and hunter's sitting there listening through the bathroom door and you see her going through so many stages of anxiety and her face and anguish she has all this dirt on her hands because she's she had just came from the garden and she wanted to show her husband like right. oh look at the flowers i planted and so she's listening and while she's hearing her therapist discuss the details of her mother's rape you see hunter then smudging the dirt all over her face yeah like you can visually see the guilt on her and it's it's amazing how the director did that because literally the therapist is saying she has all this guilt and weight on her and yeah. then you see it. It is visual now. Yeah. But the husband's like, I don't care. And then it cuts to her then standing with the hose in her hand and she's trying to get the dirt off, off of her, her hands face, and yeah. her face. And her husband comes out and he's just like, I'll buy you something nice today. What do you want? A bracelet? Yeah. If your wife's covered in dirt, my first reaction would be like, oh my God, like, well, at that point, what's she's on like you? mostly covered. She's mostly cleaned. No, there's still so much on her. Like, you could see it. For him, he probably was like, oh, you've been out in the garden, not that you've been smudging it all over your face. But yeah. he, he also is just completely oblivious to her. Yeah. Anything she does, he's just not aware of, especially the scene. So there's a scene that we have to talk about where he comes home with his co-workers and they're all drunk mm-hmm. and it's nighttime and she's in the kitchen one of his like co-worker buddy friends comes and tries talking to her and then asks her for a hug he's like can i have a hug he's and like i'm lonely i'm lonely and you had pointed out something interesting about that scene because at first i couldn't really understand why what the purpose of that was because yeah. you know then they show you later in the film another scene of them somewhere else at another party and she sees that coworker buddy go up to another woman and do the same thing, do the whole spiel again. You know, can I have a hug? I'm lonely. And she's looking at him and you can tell she's kind of disgusted. But I'm like looking at looking at it like why what's the point of what's the point of this? It was kind of I don't know. I was baffled by yeah. it a little bit. I was I was trying to figure it out. When he goes up to Hunter, he's like, Can I have a hug? I'm lonely. And she's like, No, I'm so and so's wife. I don't think he would like that. You should go back and join the party. And he's like, I'm lonely. And she's like, I don't know. And she doesn't want to give him a hug. And then she gives in eventually. And 
And now that I think about it, he hugs her and they're hugging for a long time. And then she thanks him. When she thanks him, I was like, what? Why is she thanking him? But it really was just um, a depiction of the kind of situations that women unfortunately find themselves in as far as sexual situations you know rape and the way that we are made to feel uncomfortable about situations there's always that guy can i get a hug those can i get a hug guys there's so many yeah but they're always like nice guys it's always the oh, like, nice guys oh, like, well i'm just so nice and then when you reject them then they're like well oh, i was doing your favor like yeah you're like, not even that hug. pretty anyways right exactly exactly so i feel like that scene definitely resonated in that aspect um, but it was not uh, like obvious to me at first because I was just like, oh, he's just like he was clean cut. He was he seemed nice, like uh, unthreatening. And but that's what the director wants to depict. No, a, a that it's thousand always percent. those people that never look that way. It's right. always somebody, you know. Right. And somebody who comes on a, like very approachable. Yeah. And just comes in and just pressures you into a situation that you yep. don't want to do, which is yep. another just another scene of uh, you witnessing Hunter in a situation that she doesn't want to be in where she just has no control over the situation and it's just a reminder that she has no control over anything. Control is so consistent throughout the whole film. There's something that she does not have and the only time that she feels like she has control is when she's swallowing things. And that's what she says. Yeah. She was like, I just feel like I'm in control to yeah. a therapist. Yeah. And she's like, well, why do you feel like you don't have control, Hunter? Right. And she's not able to really answer it. And remember at some point the mother says to her something like, are you happy or are you a faker? She's just staring at her. Because she's like, like, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah. And the mother's like, fake it till you make it. That's what I always say. You know, are you happy or pretending to be happy? You know she's not happy. But that's when they hire that guy to then look after her because it's like, then she starts eating stuff again after all this time. And it's like... She just can't stop. (laughs) And at first you're like, this guy's kind of scary. Like, what was his name? Louis? Louis. Louis. Even though it's this strange character from the outside, he's the only one that actually cares for her. And well, pay, pays attention to her because, he, I mean, he's being, yes, he's being paid, but he, he genuinely he cares. cares about her. Really scary because she's just, she keep, it's self-inflicting. She just keeps going back for more. And you're like, okay, if this is hurting you and you're pregnant, why do you keep doing it? But it's because nothing else besides feeling that control matters to her. But at the same time, you would think that if she genuinely wanted this baby, she wouldn't be doing that. It just shows that she doesn't doesn't want the baby. Yeah. Well, she has no control. She just cares about feeling that adrenaline for swallowing something that gives her control and then being able to pass it, even though some of the items don't pass fully. Yeah. And then the next day, that's when they're like, all right, well, you took it so far that we're having you institutionalized. And she's like, guys, no, it's just a game I play. I just took it too far. Yeah. She just tries playing it off and, and they're ready to send her away. She manages to escape. She goes to like a motel and she calls her mother. And this is the first time that you have any interaction with her mother. Yeah. But there just, it's just that quick phone conversation. And she had said something during one of her therapy sessions about how her mom didn't feel any negative feelings towards her being a child of rape. but That she loves her sisters and yeah. her sisters love her. And, and she's got a good relationship so with happy. her mommy. Yeah. But that phone call just... Kind of showed the complete opposite. opposite. Well, at first the mom's like, oh, I'm so happy to hear from you. But and you it, hear that it's like almost that the mother's nervous on the other line. Well, she's nervous. Uh, I don't know. I feel like for me that listening to that phone call, the mother was genuinely like, like, oh, I'm happy that your life is so great and you're doing so great. But then she's like, oh, I need some place to stay. And she's like, oh, but there's no room here. Yeah. Like, oh, your sister's here with the baby. I there's would just- love for you to come. 
but your sister's here with the baby and there's just not enough space for you there's no room and you're just like what i'm like what kind of mother would just be like oh i'm so sorry like no yeah what yeah you know like she could sleep on the couch yeah what and then you're like okay wrong that relationship obviously is not good it's not great yeah and so then she seeks out her biological father and it cuts to the house and at first i was like did she just show up at her mom's house i I was like is this gonna be like a showdown (laughs) i I was scared (laughs) but you don't even know that she's going to see her biological father until Until she walks in yeah no you see the birthday cake and it says happy birthday Irwin." oh because it was his birthday yeah and you're like <gasps> I forgot his name was Erwin. I was like, oh my God, she's in the house. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's another thing too, is ha- she just walks into his house and he has a family and kids and there's kids running around and nobody's like, who do you know here? <laughs> you it's know? like it wasn't until like she hinted that she didn't belong. The wife comes in, she's like, which one of these little ones is yours? And she's like, oh, none of them, but I'll be having a baby soon. And it's like, uh, uh. That's there's nice. A, yeah, they're, they're all just, but Erwin and his wife are looking at her. Like, okay. And, and that's another thing, too. So, Erwin so is her biological father who raped her mother, but he has, you know, sir, he served time and was released and started a new life. And, and obviously hasn't told his new wife about yeah, anything. Remarried. But it's like he. Like, he remarried, has kids, he's yeah. having a party. Like, he seems like a, he seems like a good person, like a good dad. Like, he's redone his life. Yeah. Turned over a new leaf. Yeah, and you don't. There's no real indicator that, in immediately that you know the wife doesn't know. Yeah, but he does. Once you know Hunter hints at who she is, and he catches on very yeah, quick. Yeah, she like, was oh. like, "Oh, my mother is so and so," and that's when he's like, <gasps> "Like you could see his face change within an instant," and yeah. then he's like. She's like, oh, his wife's like, oh, who? well, like, who's Lila or, like, whatever. Like, old friend. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, I ran into her, like, at the supermarket, and I... Mm. And that's an interesting scene. So then it's just the two of them standing in the kitchen. And he's, like, assuming that she's going to threaten him for yeah. money. He literally says, so what do you want? You're going to... You came here to ruin my life? And, and she was like, like, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. What did you think she was going to do? I'm looking at it like, what... Did, I was like, what are you doing? Like, he's not the person, yeah. like, to blame for all your problems. Yes, in a way i was like don't ruin his life i know don't ruin his life i felt bad for him Uh, genuinely my first impression i was scared because i was like okay she's gone off the rails she's gone off the rails and she showed up at this poor guy's house and i thought in okay from the psychological perspective i was like somebody who's been kicked into the ground can do one of two things they can either seek acceptance and try and grow from it or mm-hmm. they take that lack of control they haven't had and inflict it on somebody else and i was mm-hmm. like it would be so easy for her to show up at his house and make it seem she's going to ruin his life There's in order for havoc. him to feel like he doesn't have control so yeah. that she can then gain that control that she hasn't had for such a long time and i was hoping that she wouldn't do that yeah and she doesn't. She doesn't. Because she she gives him the opportunity to explain himself, which I liked because it did provide a level of humanity for his character, you know? He he explains to her what happened that night, how he went to jail and how he thought about what he did for so long and how he hated himself. But he also and puts it in like realistic terms in the sense that he's like, you know, I did it because I wanted to feel like God. I thought I had power and I thought I was invincible. And then I went to jail. Being in jail and spending my time there made me realize I wasn't God and I wasn't invincible. I was, he said, I was nothing. I was shit. Yeah. He says, I'm shit. 
And he makes it like, I still am like acknowledges that nothing he can do can, you know, erase that time in his life. And you just sit there like, wow. And I think that's when she decides not to ruin his life because she hears from his perspective what all that power can do to a person. And that's when she's like, I don't want to be like you. Am I like you? And he's like, I don't know. Are you? you? I want you to say it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, you're not like me. Yeah. I don't know who you are but you're not like me. I think that's <sighs> what she needed. She needed to hear that to know that it's like she's been carrying a, all this guilt. Yeah. Like she's literally been swallowing like this guilt. She's never been wanted. Never been wanted. Was not wanted by her biological mother. Wasn't wanted by her husband. Wasn't wanted by his her husband's family. And the fact she talks to a therapist about the fact that her mother's family is so religious that they couldn't even consider getting an, an abortion. abortion. That it's yeah. like she knew that even though her mom carried out the to term, that if her mother did have the choice, she probably would not have carried it. Right. Which is another theme, too. Abortion was not what I was expecting the movie to have an underlying tone. You know, that yeah. was a, a very heavy underlying tone. Just the, the the right to choose. The right to choose and the way it impacts children of rape, even as adults. Because you can carry that baby to term, but they carry that guilt thinking... If my mom had the choice, would she have kept me? Yeah. Does she love me or does she does she have to love me? Yeah. Is it because she wants to? And that's the thing. Like you see her literally kernelizing Mm -hmm. and the ice starts cracking. That's when she starts swallowing things because she doesn't want this baby. And she's just like, I wouldn't want to carry somebody into this world Mm -hmm. to feel exactly the way I do. Yes. She's swallowing all these things. And you realize that the only reason she's swallowing it is because she wants to feel that sense of control. Well, if I don't have the choice of what is in my body, then now I get to choose what I put in my body. Yes. Very, very powerful. I don't know. I wasn't expecting it to be to be like that because yeah. I feel like even the ending scene, the last scene, I think was so powerful just because it's so simple. And you see her at, in this public bathroom. She changes her clothes, looks herself in the mirror, and she doesn't look anything like the first time you saw her in the beginning. No, her hair's tied back. She's in a ponytail. She's in like oh, well, hoodie. She went to the mall and she's yeah. like eating all this junk food. She's Isn't... doing what she wants. Yeah. Dressing how she wants. In the mm-hmm. beginning, she her hair is curled and banged and she's beautiful, but she's wearing, you know, housewife clothes. But and it's that... like you're confused because she's at the doctor and they're like, take two of these and then two of these. And you're like, what is she getting? And that's when I was like, oh my oh, God, is yeah. she getting the pill? Because... Right. It was still early enough that she could terminate because they were going to lock her up for seven months. And I was like, okay, so then she's probably only like two, three months into the pregnancy. The director chose to leave it very simple, simple so that you would slowly piece it together because then it's like she's standing in the bathroom and you see the toilet like covered in blood. So gross. And you're (laughs) like, oh, but she's looking at herself in the mirror and she's. You could tell she's proud of who's looking back at her for the first time. Like she's actually looking and seeing herself. Herself. Yeah. Instead of just looking, seeing through. Right. And that, yeah, she was definitely looking through her reflection all the time. Yeah. It's like she didn't. That's why she kept looking through the window. She wasn't actually looking at herself. Yeah, she was looking through. She leaves the bathroom and the, the camera just stays in the bathroom and you see just other women coming into the bathroom you know, exiting the stalls, washing their hands, looking at themselves in the mirror. And Hunter's been out of the picture for minutes now, and you're still in the bathroom. And look at all these other women 
it's not just about Hunter. It's about other women, all and, women. And that's the thing. It's not like she had left a mess. So it's like nobody knows what she had done. Yes. And so you have idea no idea what what's going, through. going on in any of these women's lives. Right. But it's the fact that they can do whatever they want right. without feeling like they have to respond to anyone. Right. Just make their own decisions, yeah. especially when it comes to their reproductive their bodies. rights. Their bodies, their lives, they have no control. There's so many things in this world that we don't have control over, especially important parts of our lives. Yeah. it's It was so powerful. Just that ending scene was so powerful. Like I said, I didn't think I was expecting it to be so powerful because the movie's marketed as a horror movie. I expected it to be more horror in the aspect of like gruesome and kind of I was expecting jump scares I don't know I was expecting something like more um like I, frightening I think they depicted it as horror because it could be frightening to some that she's swallowing such yeah. dangerous objects because it is a little hard to watch no it's very hard to watch very but hard it's to like watch. it's not like ah ghost yeah yeah but that that's why you know horror is categorized in in two separate categories because if you think about it there are so many movies that are considered you know they call it elevated horror because it's not so much horror that's obvious in your face slasher yeah this was something that had a deeper horrifying meaning meaning it was on a it was a another plane of horror it was like intellectual horror intellectual horror because i mean horror to us being because we're women that is horrifying thinking yeah. about being pregnant and not wanting a baby that you know what that is Boom, that is your life is horrifying that is horror that's most women's worst nightmare knowing every aspect that we just discussed what are your thoughts as the film as a whole honestly once you dig deep and you realize all the symbolism behind the movie mm-hmm. i would definitely define it as extremely moving but that's just because I'm a female I'm able to sympathize with her as the heroine and it's like at first you're like okay so this is our protagonist but it's very hard for me to to sympathize with her in the beginning because I'm like she's visibly choosing to swallow so it's like before you even get down to the nitty-gritty symbolism you're like okay this protagonist is so unlikable because she's making me uncomfortable But then towards the end, you're slowly piecing everything together and you're like, no, we're supposed to sympathize with her because she lacks this control. How many stars would you give it? I would give it like four. Four? Yeah. Why? Back it up, baby. Get it back it up. Like, it was really good, but I feel like there would have been a couple things I would have done a little bit different. Like what? I would have wanted to have just one more thing with the mother to understand why like what happened with their relationship if the mother sent her away because she knows that she has this disease because I feel like the mother does play a big part Mm -hmm. in her life and it's like we only got to know Erwin yeah she played a role in the situation that she was in and all she really really needed I think was that phone call to know exactly the kind of person that she was and the kind of relationship they had that phone call it was very telling yeah you know I think I would give it at least four and a half. Okay, four and a half is fair. I think, you don't have to agree with me. I just think four and a half because I don't, I can't think of anything that I would do better. I think the reason it's not a five is just because it's one of those movies that I don't see myself watching again for a while. I don't know, definitely four and a half. Yeah. Not five because it, I it wouldn't was, watch it again. Yeah, it w- well, <laughs> only because it was so heavy and it's, yeah. it, like it wasn't so much like entertaining. But it's, it was it's just a like, type of movie you only need to see once to remember it. Yeah, because yeah. it's memorable. Definitely memorable. It's not one of those movies that it's like, oh, I need to see it again to remember the the underlying meaning. Like it's yeah. like it hits you and it hits you hard and it's efficient. 
It's a very efficient. And it's something that I think if you were to talk to like other people about, you wouldn't be like, oh, you know what? I don't really remember. Like, no, you n- remember. It's one of those movies that you remember exactly what happened and you're going to talk about it to everybody you know. It was definitely a feminist movie. Oh, 100%. I read an article how they thought it wasn't a feminist movie, but I feel like ever there's so many different opinions out there. I get it. You're in allowed the, to have an opinion, but I personally think it was a feminist in movie. In the image of the film, is she holding up a marble it's or a, tack. a pill? It's the tack. It's a tack? It's the tack, mm-hmm. which is the like second thing that she ingests. But why do you think they chose the tack for the film? Because it's dangerous. The marble was like, okay, you know you can pass a marble attack. Like, how is that going to get down through all of your intestines and it's going to come out in one piece and your body is going to stay in one piece? That's terrifying. And they had to do that. I think that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Really, really good film. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh 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 (laughs) Yeah, mama. Oh, yeah, mama. All right, well, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. It's out to rent now. 100%. 100%. It was like only five bucks. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it wasn't too long, which I, I really appreciated. I feel like it was the right amount. It was the right length to not be boring and not be too much. Every scene was important. Every scene was relevant. The dialogue was great. Haley you're Bennett definitely was great. on your toes. Like you're watching it and you're like, ah. Yes. Oh my God. What is she going to do next? <laughs> yeah. ah, don't do that. Yeah. You're invested. You're invested. So definitely <laughs> must see. Check it out. Check it out. And join us next week for our next episode. We don't know what we're going to watch next, but if you have any suggestions, you'll let us know. Let us know. Tune in next week for our next episode of Chicks Talk Flex. All right. All right. It's mental illness, ain't it's it? Mental illness, ain't it? Love. <laughs> it's mental illness. It is mental illness. It actually is. There is. It, I don't know what it's called, but it's something. Pico something. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what's in the fridge.